Yes, it's true. God, thank you for being more than we will ever need. So why don't you lift to him right now whatever it is that's going on in your life that needs God. His power, his love, his answers, his healing. And God, it's possible that among us there are those who really don't know what our deepest need is, but you do. So how about if you just ask God to touch you at that place in your life that he knows is your very deepest need. And then in these next moments, oh God, would you speak into our lives, preparing us for what you know is ahead of us in these next days and weeks and months. Speak into our minds, our hearts. Touch us powerfully, please because you're more than amazing and you're more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I invite you to be seated. Thank you, Brother David. What a privilege to have you with us and all of our worship leaders. And I want to dismiss the children, the little ones up through grade four, to some wonderful adults who have been preparing for you. Today is a very important day. If summer is important to you, you should know that today is the pinnacle. Today is day 50 in the 100 days of the summer. You've lived half of the summer. You have yet a half to go. So look back over the footprints of your summer so far. What do you see? How has the journey of your life been? What's God showing you, telling you about the journey? Who are you becoming this summer? Where are you going? What are you accomplishing? In your notes, I've given you again a verse that I gave you a couple of weeks ago found in John's Gospel. When God was here in the person of Jesus, he said a lot of amazing things, but this is one of them especially. He said, be on your guard because your enemy, the thief, has come and will be attacking you to steal, kill, and destroy. Can you own that personally? The devil, your enemy, is trying to steal your peace by drawing you into a place of deep worry and anxiety, right? Steal your joy by causing you to be overwhelmed by guilt and shame of the past, anger and frustration at circumstances you can't change. Kill. Your enemy is trying to kill every healthy relationship in your life through selfishness, bitterness, jealousy. Destroy. Your enemy is trying to draw you away from God into that place of self-destructive thinking and behavior so that you'll destroy yourself. Isn't that true? Don't we see that all around us? But Jesus says, but I have come so that you may have life and you might live it to the fullest. And this morning, let's see just a little more about what that means because part of what I think God wants us to understand today is one of the ways you live life to the fullest is recognizing the difference that you can make in the lives of people whose hope and joy and peace is being stolen or killed or destroyed 
by the brokenness of our world. If you've been reading with us two chapters a day, we come on this 50th day into the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Would you turn there with me, please? And if you didn't happen to bring a copy of God's Word with you, there's one under the chair in front of you. And uh, somebody tell me what page Nehemiah chapter 1 is on in those Bibles, would you please? Say it again. 383. Thank you, dear Shirley. It's always great to have you back from your world travels, and I'm glad you're feeling better. Praise God. In, on page 383, in Nehemiah chapter 1, we meet an amazing man. His name, obviously, is Nehemiah. He's writing his own story. And he says there in chapter 1, the words or the story of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. The 20th year of what? Don't you love how sometimes you just kind of fall into a story in the Bible? You don't know, where are we? What's happening? Well, if you look at the first verse of the second chapter, you see he uses the same phrase, only this time he says, it's the 20th year of the reign of King Artaxerxes. The king of the Persian Empire, the largest empire that covered most of what we know as the Middle East and much of Central Asia. Gigantic. That would have been the year 445 B.C. And as you look at your notes, you see I have a long list of dates there. Yawn City, right? Oh boy, what do we care about what happened in 445 B.C.? The long list of dates reminds you and me that every place has a story. That's the story that we've been reading about Jerusalem over the last several months. Williams Bay has a story. Lake Geneva has a story. Wisconsin has a story. America has a story. This story opens 445 B.C. You see there the second to the bottom of the dates. Nehemiah leads the rebuild of the Jerusalem wall. Now if you were to take your pencil and put today's year, 2013, next to that year, 445, and then do the math this afternoon and work your way back, you'll end up at about 1746 by my calculation. Not far before what we celebrated a couple of weeks ago at the patriotic celebration. Now think about this. Do you see in the long list there of all those dates, names? You see names like Hezekiah, Josiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Cyrus, Haggai, Ezra, Nehemiah. You see that? In every generation, my dear friends, it's important for you and I to know that God is sovereign over all. All places, all times. Isn't that true? And at all times He is working His eternal purpose in every place in every generation and he's looking for people in every generation that he can draw into his larger purposes in that place in that generation every one of these names is someone who is at uh, the right place at the right time and whose heart was ready and God drew them in and used them greatly so if you start with 2013 and you work your way back in the history of America think back then to some of the people that God has used That'll be a fun exercise this afternoon on a beautiful, warm summer afternoon. And then ask yourself this $50,000 question. Could I be someone that God could use in my generation, in this place? Could you be someone that God could use in your generation, wherever it is you live or work? Is God prepared to add your name to the long list of names of people that have stepped forward in response to His call, His invitation, and God has accomplished amazing things? Yes. But what does it look like? It looks like Nehemiah. And I hope you see yourself in the story in the next few minutes.
So in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, 445 B.C., when I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanai, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. Remember, King Nebuchadnezzar had dragged off hundreds of thousands of slaves. Many had survived and gone back. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, but they are in great trouble and disgrace. For the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, Nehemiah says, I sat down and I wept. As far as we know, he had never been there. But it was the city of his ancestry. He was a Jewish man who cared greatly for Jerusalem. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Who was this Nehemiah? Look at the last line of the first chapter. I was cupbearer to the king. What does it look like for a man to move from living in the comfort zone of life to becoming a catalyst? Do you see what I wrote for you on the front of the worship folder this week? Midway through summer 2013, what do your footprints tell you about your journey thus far this summer? What do catalytic footprints look like? They are evidence of steps which bring hope in despair, light in dark places, rescue and new beginnings for people. Look around. Where could your next step bring hope? I was cupbearer to the king. Could I help you maybe with Mr. Nehemiah? Let's, let's let his story come alive just a little bit. Would that be okay? Mr. Nehemiah was in the food service business. His job was, don't you see, to taste everything that was going to come to the lips of the most powerful man on the planet. Kings don't eat junk. Nehemiah got to taste and eat the finest food in the world. Drink the best beverage before it would be brought to the king. He worked and lived in the palace, may I suggest. Of course, there was a reason for that. The purpose was so that nobody tried to poison the king. So everything he ate and everything he drank was a little risky, but if you're going to go, what, right? What a way to go, eating the fine. <laughs> may I suggest Nehemiah was living in the comfort zone, far from the pain. Now, you see, 140 years before, Jerusalem had been destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. Hundreds of thousands of Jewish people dragged off into slavery. A hundred years before, King Cyrus had written an edict. Any Jew who wants to go back and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, you're free to go, and we'll give you the bounty to take back with you and rebuild it. Evidently, Nehemiah's great-granddaddy had said, No, I'd prefer to stay, thank you. His grandfather had said, no, it's kind of nice here, I'll stay. His father, Hekeliah, evidently had stayed. And now Nehemiah had a pretty cush job in the palace, eating the king's food. I was cupbearer to the king. But do you see how his heart broke when he found out about what was going on in Jerusalem? You see, the first step, my dear friends, to becoming one of these people like a catalyst that God can use greatly is looking out from yourself. It's so easy, isn't it, for our lives to be all consumed about me and what I want and trying to make the comfort zone as comfortable as it possibly can be. 
But an outward, genuine interest in what's going on in the people around us is so important. He listened. He questioned his brother, what's going on back in Jerusalem? And when he heard about the pain, his heart broke. And he wept and he fasted and he prayed for four months. What breaks your heart? What do you hear in the lives of the people who express to you the pain of their lives that causes you to grieve for them? Weep. Fast and pray before God, asking for God to help them. There's an interesting thing that happens the way God has made us when you are grieving for the pain of someone else genuinely and you're asking God to get involved. He begins to put in your mind and your ideas something that you might be able to do to help. And he develops a plan. That's what happened to Nehemiah. For four months he prayed, he wept, and God gave him an idea. So that four months later, beginning of chapter 2, he's bringing food and wine to the king again. And the king says, you look awfully sad today. You're not sick. What's the problem? Oh, it says there that he prayed, verse five, the end of verse 4, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered. And he told the king that the reason he was so sad, he'd heard news about his homeland. And God had given him an idea. Would the king be willing to release him from his responsibilities for a time to go back and help rebuild the wall? The king looked to the queen and said, what do you think? She said, I think we should send him. So he wrote up the papers and he sent him, along with all that he would need, to become a catalyst to help bring change and hope to a desperate place. But do you see the key? He had to be willing to look beyond the comfort zone, to hear the pain, to pray and ask God, God, would you, would you like me to do something about the pain? And as God gave him an idea, to watch God develop it. Then he says there in chapter 2, the end of verse 8, And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Because of his relationship with God, as he prayed, God answered, and he recognized that God was doing in the heart of the king who could care less about Jerusalem a mighty work that sent him off. Don't underestimate what God might be doing in the lives of those around you when you're prepared to step from the comfort zone to being a catalyst, God is going before you. And so he left for Jerusalem. It took a few days to go around and do his due diligence, and then he gathered the people together, verse 17 of chapter 2. And I said to them, the leaders, you see the trouble that we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, Let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. So they replied, let's start rebuilding. So they began the good work. Do you see the difference between the man comfortable in his comfort zone eating the king's food and serving the king and the man now fully engaged as a catalyst in making a difference? In Jerusalem his ears were open to hear the pain his heart was willing for God to give him an idea he was ready to step forward as a catalyst as God put his gracious hand upon him do you see yourself in the story or is the comfort zone awful nice and you'll let somebody else take care of it the comfort zone when you're living in the comfort zone it isolates you it insulates you do you see what I wrote for you in your notes but catalyst living is informed. You're informed about the needs, the pain all around you. You're burdened by it. 
You're available to God and what God wants to do. You're energized by God to do something. And you engage. You are engaged by God in making a difference in your world, in your generation. Amen? Do you see that, friends? Do you see that it's the opportunity for every living, breathing person who has trusted Jesus Christ to be their Savior and in whom God wants to work? So my question for you there, how can I be a Nehemiah in my neighborhood, my workplace, my school, where I live? Last weekend, Dawn and I were up in uh, North Dakota. I had the privilege of being a part of a conference there and opening God's Word to some folks. And on the way back, I was reflecting on this chapter, thinking about you, my friends. I was celebrating you and all that God is doing. I was celebrating hundreds of you that are have prepared for the VBS and are going to be involved in reaching to the children of Walworth County. Thank you. You've moved from the comfort zone to the catalyst. You could have very easily said, no, nah, I'm too busy. Thank you for caring about the children of Walworth County. Thank you. I was thinking about the fact that our Haiti folks had just come back. <laughs> Thank you. Emma, I think you've got a little video there that you might show us about that Haiti as I'm just sharing a couple of thoughts. I was thinking about those of you who have already gone and you're in Africa right now. They, not you, but those who are there. I hope you're praying for them. They've gone there to care, to make a difference. I was thinking about Butch and Sally Eicher. Butch, come up here a minute, my dear brother. Is Sally there with you? Down with the kids. Of course she's down with the kids. <laughs> Butch and Sally, they heard the cry a year ago that there was a great need in Germany because there was a dormitory that didn't have dorm parents and there were some young ladies from all over Asia that needed mom and dad and you went and we were glad to send you what it's been like. Tell us. Well, we have seven Koreans in the dorm, so Amen. it's a very lively place and uh, a couple girls from Italy and, and several from France, so we have three different languages around the dinner table, and it's very difficult to get a word in edgewise once in a while. <laughs> Amen, Brother Butch. Have you seen God at work to, in that place this year? Absolutely. God yeah. is amazing, and uh, some of the things that happened, we just, uh, we're just praising God for his hand upon us and what he's done to help us along the way. It was such a privilege for us to send you. You're home for just a couple of weeks to catch just your a, breath, and just, then you're back again, right? Just a few weeks to spend some time with our kids and with... Uh, Sally's mom and dad and the time that we have with our family and then we head back for training again. Uh, big transition time, more, more new dorm parents coming in, more new kids. So, uh, yes, it's great to be home, though, Pastor. Wonderful. And next Sunday night as part of our annual meeting, we're going to give you a bunch of time to share with us what God's doing. Exactly. Would you help me praise God for Butch and Sally? Thank Amen. You. Amen, my brother. Praise God. Some of our folks are already in the Czech Republic. The rest of our English team is heading out soon. Thank you, friends. Thank you that you are exchanging the comfort zone for the opportunity to be a catalyst here and in other places around the world. It's changing your lives. Sometimes it's a week. Sometimes it's a year or two. The Ericsons are getting ready to head back to, to Indonesia with their children. But when you make that move, being willing to risk going from the comfort zone to go and be a catalyst, you need to know that all is not going to be beautiful and pretty. It's dangerous out there. When you bring light into a dark place, when you bring hope into a broken place, there will be opposition there. So look at that second chapter with me, please, at the end of verse uh, 8. And be, uh, pardon me, at, at, at verse 10. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, that Nehemiah was coming to help, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. 
Does that sound like the work of the thief that wants to steal, kill, and destroy? That someone would be angry that help had come? When you step into being a catalyst, there will be opposition, my dear friends. You look across at verse, eight, at verse 19. Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, and they mocked and ridiculed us. You see, when the catalysts come to penetrate the darkness with hope, there will be opposition. Nehemiah did what he always had done. He prayed, God, you know our situation. Help us, please. And he continued to work. Chapter 3, verse 1, Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate, and they dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred in one direction, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hanel in the other direction. And the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur the son of Imri built next to them. What do you see there? All through that third chapter you find the actual names of the people who said... It's not enough to just stand and watch this. Let's get in the game. Let's become catalysts. Let's do something. And shoulder to shoulder, all around that city, the wall began to be rebuilt. With only a few exceptions. Verse 5. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work. Pride gets in the way sometimes. I'm not getting my hands dirty, right? Don't let that happen to you. You see, Nehemiah, he says, I've got to set down the apron and all that good food and drink, and I've got to pick up other kinds of work clothes because this is serious work. And he stepped in, and he rallied those around him, and he said, let's rebuild this wall. But we're going to get our hands dirty, and it's going to be a battle. And when you read through these chapters, you see that over and over again, the opposition developed all kinds of strategies to discourage them and defeat them. But his response was always the same. God, help us. This is your plan. Empower your people. And God did. I, I see that they continued to work together, shoulder to shoulder. May I give you a, a French phrase? Union fait la force. There it is. It means shoulder to shoulder, unity builds great strength. You see, about uh, 20 years or so after the Declaration of Independence here in the United States, there was a nation of slaves, African slaves, being brutalized in their slavery. They had heard what was happening in the colonies in, in what is now the United States, and they rallied, and they said, we can do the same. Let's declare our independence, and all that we have is stones and sticks and hoes, but we'll push back the colonists, the French, and Napoleon's army and navy. And that is the, the, the logo the coat of arms that is in the middle of their flag and they became the first free black nation in the western hemisphere January 1st, 1804 Haiti see the cannons and the cannonballs now it's one thing when a group of people say we can work together and do something significant it's a whole other matter when God's people say we can do something significant pushing back the darkness bringing hope to the desperate you see God's kingdom advance provokes dark kingdom response everywhere in the world and that's why it's wonderful for us to reach to our county it's wonderful for us to be willing to go out for a week or two around the world it's a whole other matter to pack up our families and go I see in chapter 4 verse 10 the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out there's so much rubble we cannot rebuild the wall also our enemies said before they know it or see us we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them 
Verse 13, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, the most dangerous places, posting them by families. Do you see that? And I said to them, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. And God rallied them. I was driving back from North Dakota thinking about all of you. I thought, what would it be like if we had a big map of Walworth County? And what would it be like if I challenged you with this question? Do you see yourself as a Nehemiah? Someone who appreciates the comfort zone but would like to be a catalyst that God would use to bring hope into the dark places of our county and beyond. Someone even who's willing to go the next step and be an overcomer against that darkness. And if you were to say, yes, that's me, that's my family, what if you could take a pin and say on that map, and there's where we live, right there. So there's a map on the wall in the lobby, thanks to the help of several people. And there are some pins. At the end of this service or in the next few weeks, I'm challenging you, if, if this isn't just a story, but this is your story, would you consider putting a pin on the wall that says, that's me and my family? Now, you may not live in Walworth County, so give us your name and address and wherever it is you live, and we'll figure out a way to find out how to... Maybe we'll have pins all over the wall running up and down the halls. What do you think, Pastor Mark? But there's one place that's not on the map, and we can't find a wall big enough. It's where that flag is from, and John and Jennifer Keller, would you please come? And uh, Pastor David, will you come? And uh, John and Jen, you are again leaving us as you have once before. You've been living in China for several years, and we praise God you've been there with your family. <laughs> But this time, this flag is telling us that you're going to a new place. John, where's that flag from? Where are you going? Well, we're going to Mongolia. Um, Mongolia? Yes. And, and this uh, time, the family you're leaving is different from the family you've left in the past. Yes. We're just, Jennifer and I are going by ourselves this time, and our kids are, are we're leaving them behind. So, yeah. a little bit older. That's a new way for us to pray for you, but you're also leaving Jim behind without mom. Yeah. 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 Thanks for um, saying that. We just wanted to. Uh, take a moment to tell you from the bottom of our hearts um, just how much you've loved our family, Jennifer and I, and um, my mother-in-law, Gretchen, and my father-in-law, Jim Rito, and continue to love and support them. And my brother-in-laws and I have, uh, those days, those last days, uh, just couldn't believe the, the kindness and the love and support that you showed. It's how the body of Christ should be, and uh, we just thank you for that. Amen. And uh, Amen. So We're thanks. excited for you. It was our privilege to love your mother and dad and all of you during that journey. We promise you we'll stand with your dad uh, while you're gone. Would you tell us about where you're going and how we can pray for you? We know you will, and uh, it's been a privilege to uh, be a partners with you in, in China where God called us and to be doing that work for years. And now in Mongolia, where God's called us, we're fellow Nehemiahs with you, Amen. Uh, going to a place where God's called us, just like God has called you to the places of work and, and neighbors and friends in this area. And uh, Mongolia is uh, just above China and below um, Russia, and it's in an area of the world that is, uh, has, doesn't know the gospel, doesn't know Jesus. And it's part of the Tibetan Buddhist crescent, that purple area, which has Tibet, it has uh, Nepal, it has northern India. And uh, so they've been very resistant to the gospel so far. But there's one area where God's starting to make some inroads, and that's Mongolia. Amen. Three million people there, and uh, he's starting to work. And they've got nomadic DNA in them. And uh, if they can get a heart for God and a heart for the nations, 
and they can take the gospel to these areas, and that's what we're excited to partner with you guys in doing. So thanks for sending us and being a part of it with Amen. us. So what do the people look like where you're going? Do you have a picture or two Thank of that? Thank you. Next slide. Uh, pray for these people. These are the ones you're investing in. People like Zogi, people like Gonzo, people like Atka. Those are first-generation believers there Amen. that are just learning how to walk with Jesus in their context, how to do life, and how to love in their context, being fellow Nehemiahs. So Amen. please pray with us for these guys and as we minister and, and help them to follow Jesus. Amen. Jennifer, I'm looking at the pictures. It's such a shame. You look in such pain and so discouraged. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you see the smile on her face? See the smiles on John's face? You love bringing Jesus to people of Asia, don't yeah, you? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. How can we pray for you? Well, as John mentioned, we're, this time we're going without our children, who are young adults now. So um, pray for that whole, you know, as they settle here in the States and we're far away. Um, and also just that God would continue to knit our hearts with these dear people. Amen. Um, because it is, there is also a cultural difference. So we just need to learn how to go beyond that like Christ did and um, reach into that culture, learn the language, learn the culture, learn how to love them mm. and know where their needs are. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a big prayer request. Amen. And, and yeah. learning the language is a big, yeah. at our age, it's a little daunting. That'll <laughs> so. be a challenge. Brother David, would you come and pray for John and Jennifer, please, as we send them? Lord, we've sung, started today singing Crown You With Many Crowns. Pastor reminded us of that day when we will be at your feet and we will sing with the angels. And Lord, we get to participate in your plan for John and Jen and for the, Korea, for the Mongolian and even the Tibetan Chinese uh, Buddhist church. Because we look forward to the day that there'll be a Mongolian section in that choir because of what they've done. Mm. We ask you that they will be able to raise up worshipers and to teach them and to encourage them and to model for them mm. worshipers not only in Mongolia, but in that whole crescent. Mm. And Lord Jesus, we do that for your glory. We ask you to protect them from the thief. We know that the thief thinks he owns that. Mm. And we sang this morning that you're sovereign. And so we rest in your sovereignty. Mm. And we ask you, Lord, that as we send them, we are participating in prayer. And we look forward to hearing 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now, reports back that you touch people as we participated with you to seek worshipers for your throne. In Jesus' name, we ask you to bless John and Jen, the family, their language learning. There's always the medical stuff, but more than that, Lord, their closeness to you and to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Let's praise God for John and Jen as they head to Mongolia. Can I just show you one last thing, my dear friends? It's so powerful. End of the sixth chapter. As they work together, shoulder to shoulder, trusting God to push back the opposition and bring hope to that place, it says in verse 15 of chapter 6, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. 52 days they rebuilt the entire wall. And when all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can that apply to you and your family? As God strategically positions you,
Yes, in a beautiful, comfortable place, but you shed the comfort zone and you become a catalyst, allowing God to lead you into those relationships where you can bring hope into desperate places and people, huh? Are you listening for the pain around you? Are you bringing that to God, saying, God, what would you like me to do about it? Is he shaping and forming in your mind an understanding, an idea of how he'd like to use you to bring hope and help to the painful around you? Are you looking beyond our borders, our shores, and seeing what the needs are around the world and considering the possibility of so many others, as so many others have done, of going and investing yourself for a week or two in some faraway place? Can you imagine what God might do if you and I would be willing to stick our pin in the map and say, God, right now it's here, but wherever, I'm yours. And I want to move from being content in the comfort zone to being a, a catalyst yes. for God's powerful change. And I want to live as an overcomer. So Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your invitation to us. The thief has come to steal, to kill and destroy, but you came, Lord Jesus Christ, to give us life and to show us how we can live it to the fullest. Thank you. Thank you. Now, why don't you ask him right where you're sitting right now to show you, to give you a glimpse of what he would like to accomplish first in you and then through you if you were to determine to not be satisfied with the comfort zone. But make yourself available as Nehemiah did to hear well and then to move in faith following Jesus to bring hope into the darkness. We worship you, Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you. God Almighty, the great I am. 